0: I think the biggest mistake is that people think that sales is something that you're supposed to do to somebody. And I mm. think sales is something you do with people. And with people means having conversations.
1: Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something and you want to be known for it too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries. Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. This is one of those podcast episodes that every single business owner on the face of planet Earth needs to hear because you are going to be hearing from the go-to expert in sales, but in a way that brings so much humanity and possibility and even motivation and inspiration to how you sell you, how you sell what you do. Nikki Roush is someone that's become a Dear friend of mine, she's also in my incubator program, my high-level business mastermind. She's also supported me and mentored me and given me so many great ideas and tips and learnings around sales. And she comes to the table with over 25 years of really high-level sales success and strategy. She's worked with organizations, you know, like little ones, like NASA have looked to her for her expertise but she realized her passion and her gift was really in serve, in serving entrepreneurs like us people who are boots on the ground doing good work mission focused and Nikki has created so many tools and resources for entrepreneurs to really step into possibility when it comes to scaling and selling but today's conversation gets really strategic really tactical, actual things that you can apply immediately to see growth in your business. I'm telling you, some of these tweaks that Nikki has taught me over the years have directly affected ROI immediately. These are things that you are likely doing that you don't know that you're doing and changes that you can implement that don't require you to reinvent the wheel or throw the baby out with the bathwater that will immediately affect Sales in your business, the bottom line. But on top of that, we had some great conversations around leadership and possibility. And like I mentioned, Nikki is one of our incredible leaders in our Luminary Leadership Incubator. So if you're looking for an incredibly high caliber group of entrepreneurs to step into your next level of leadership and growth within your business, you can check out the details on that at luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash incubator we only take a select number of people it's application only but if it's something you want to apply for because you're ready to to leap into your next stratosphere of growth and possibility while doing it in a way where you're recognized as the leader and expert in your field like nikki is head on over to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash incubator and apply okay let's dive into this episode with nikki Roush because to know Nikki is to love her. As soon as you hear her, you're going to quickly understand why she is one of my favorite people on the planet and one of the most gifted people I know. Okay, let's get to the show. Nikki, I am so thrilled to have you on the show. This is kind of one of those full circle moments because we met via podcasting a couple of years back and it's blossomed into such a gift in my life getting to know you and learn from you and get to work with you and support you. So welcome to the Luminary Leadership Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. I have to say it feels like a full circle moment for me as well, because I didn't really know you when I got pitched to be on your podcast and you said yes to me the first time, but I feel like it it's one of those things, like of all the podcasts I've been on, this one has brought me such a true you know, relationship and friendship and a growth opportunity. And I'm just so, so, so grateful to know you and have you in my life.
1: Well, I could echo the same things to you because I'm excited to bring you to our listeners. You've been such a, a bright light in my world and specifically in our incubator for those tuning in. Uh, Nikki is a member of our our high-level business mastermind, our Luminary Leadership Incubator. And I've, I've watched you pour into the people in that group as well, which has been such a gift. But I'd love for our listeners to just get to know you better, hear more of your story, what's your background. I know we're talking about sales in a way that I'm pretty certain most of our listeners, unless they've already discovered you, haven't really explored yet in a way that's going to take some of the burden of sales off of their back and more of the possibility into, you know, most of our listeners are called into something, their next level, right? They've found success in some capacity. They're ready to take it to the next level. They obviously know how to sell because they wouldn't be where they are if they didn't. Mm -hmm. But what if there was another way to approach it that could make it lighter and brighter and more, you know, keeping them more in their zone of genius and allowing them to step into whatever it is they're being called to next? So before we get into the sales side of it tell us more about you your background and just you know what has led you here up to this point
0: Well okay so my background is I come from the corporate sales world that's really kind of where I got my start in sales and I entered a very male dominated industry and I knew that that was not like their style of selling was not my style of selling and I had to kind of find my own way there And I did. I found that for me, it was about building relationships. And also during my corporate career, I started studying neuro-linguistic programming, which really opened the door for me, improving my overall communication skills, but learning how to add flexibility to my behavior, learning how to put people at ease. And so I had a lot of success in a very male-dominated industry as usually I was like in the last, I don't know. 10 years of my career I only ever had one other female on a on a sales team with me and it was for less than a year. So I was, you know, having a lot of success being a top producer in that industry. And at some point I just kind of got burned out frankly. I just felt like I don't want to be doing this when I was 50. I felt like I was just about to turn 40 and I thought there has to be something more for me out there. And my NLP teacher at the time had moved to Washington state kind of where I was living and had asked me to start assisting her, which I was doing on weekends when I wasn't traveling all the time for work. And I ended up leaving my corporate job thinking, I'm going to go help her build her business because I know I can bring something to it and we'll see what comes next for me. It wasn't like that wasn't going to be the end all, but it was like, what could be next? And that really led me to SalesMaven because I started networking. I started meeting all these amazing entrepreneurs that I found were making a huge impact in the world, or at least wanting to make an impact. But a lot of them really struggled with sales conversations because they had heard that the way to be, you know, to be successful in sales, you had to be aggressive and pushy. And, and I could bring my skill set to them and start helping them. And I did just start helping them. Really, salesman was born out of that. So here I am, eight years into my business, having the time of my life teaching people how to be more strategic in their sales conversations with bringing, I think, a really high level of kindness and rapport to the conversation that puts the other person at ease and takes the pressure off of the, like, I got to close the sale and puts it more on the relationship is the most important thing to me. So that's what I do now is I I teach that.
1: You sure do. I've witnessed you do it. I've Personally, implemented so many of the strategies that you brought to me, and it's not even I. I hesitate to even say strategies, although we will go through some st- strategic conversations around sales. A lot of it is getting, in some ways, in, at least how I interpret it, Nikki, is like getting out of strategies sometimes and getting into your heart, right? Getting into that relational converse, that relational piece of the conversation that sometimes we lose, where there are some specific. Things we can say or closing close language or things that can drive the person to make an ultimate decision or increase conversions or the language we use in our sales copy or any of that, that's really important. And we can even touch on some of that stuff. But what I want to highlight that you mentioned is the relationship piece, because I had this epiphany probably two years ago in my business where... I went from leaning so heavily on the strategy side and it was working, but sometimes it just felt like a slog for me. It was like, okay, another sales conversation. What am I going to ask them? What am I going to say? Okay, another sales page. We have to come up for coffee with, we have to create copy for, you got to make sure my words are right. What should the button say to make them think that they need to click it? And then I started thinking, what is it that makes me say yes, especially to those big decisions, like the big Mm -hmm. purchases, the things that pull out my credit card or make a decision that's like, wow, this is a pretty massive leap for me. And every single time it was the rapport and the relationship and the connection I felt either to the person with whom I was making that transaction or the mission behind it or whatever, like even donating, right? When I think about where I'm putting my money, It's not because I felt like they strategically said something right to me. It was because I felt kind of connected to them. And when I look at my growth in my business and supporting a lot of the entrepreneurs I work with, when you're going into that next level, I feel like relationships make all the difference. Because look at the incubator, for example. This program is filled with about 23 entrepreneurs that are all very successful in business, you being one of them. And every single one of them came from a relationship, not a sales page I created, not some ad that I ran, not an email sequence. It was these connection points and speaking to a mission that I knew would resonate with them and then guiding them forward through that kind of shepherding them. And I feel like that's what you do so well is you take the work that we do and you help us bring it back to, okay, what is going to feel most human and connective and supportive and relational which makes a big difference in the ultimate conversion but it also mm-hmm. makes a huge difference to to me the seller to the person that's like behind the business because that slog turns into a glide it starts to feel natural it starts to feel like i can live in my zone of genius and speak to what i know and and really try to focus on impact and and ultimately Sell even more without having to be neurotic about what am I saying? How am I saying it? So I don't know if that resonates at all, but that's just what I think of when I think of the things that you've taught me and the things I've heard you speak on. Is yes, there's strategy, but it's aligning it with the person utilizing the strategy and their heart and their mission and how they're making that impact and really speaking into the soul of that person that they're selling to. Yeah, my my long winded thought. (laughs)
0: No, I love that. And I love that. Thank you for such kind words too, is that, you know, I think the biggest mistake is that people think that sales is something that you're supposed to do to somebody. And I Mm. think sales is something you do with people and with people means having conversations. So for you to be talking about how, when, you know, the people who are in the incubator program, which is absolutely, I mean, these people are incredible people in this group. and you have brought together this amazing community and built this amazing community for us in this group, I'm not surprised at all to hear that it didn't come from a sales page, that it came from a conversation that you had. Because especially when people are making these high ticket you know, commitments and investments in themselves and in their business, we want to know that the person on the other end isn't treating us like a dollar sign. Because no. I think we've all been on the you know on the other end of having purchased something where the person you bought it from could care less about you or care less about your experience like if i'm going to make this investment in myself i want to make sure that the person takes it serious right and so that comes through conversation that comes from and that conversation by the way it can happen on a sales page it can happen in your emails And there are these things that you can do that start to build relationship, start to build this back and forth conversation. So you're not always talking at people, you're talking with them. And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, that's why it feels like a glide instead of a slog. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, let's dig into that a little bit because I love that you bring up the conversational piece of it because I think sometimes people are thinking like they're hearing what you're saying and they're like, yeah, that resonates. That, that makes sense. I want to do that. And then when they go and get in the conversation, maybe they start overthinking or they start thinking, okay, what does that look like? Or what's different about mm-hmm. keeping it conversational versus transactional? Or can you speak to that a little bit?
0: Yeah. Well, the easiest way to like in the most like simplest example that I can give of this is that instead of making statements to people all the time, start asking questions. Take some of these statements that you're making in your emails, on your sales pages. And instead of like, I know what you're thinking, like statements, which we all hear these. And I know that there's somebody, many people out there that are selling these as like, this is how you make your sales pages convert. But most people, if they don't have a relationship with you in some way, and you say to them, I know what you're thinking, or I know what you want, I know what you need. They're like, you don't know me. It brings out, like it it triggers what I call their polarity response. This is something from my NLP background is polarity responses. You say yes, the other person automatically says no. You say true, they say false. It like, doesn't matter what you say, they're going to take the opposing view. So when you say things like that, In your sales copy, and you say things like that in your sales conversations with people. If you don't have a lot of relationship with them to begin with, they're going to go like, "Nope, this person's just talking at me. They don't care about me." But if instead you say, "Is this something that's important to you? Or is this something that you would benefit from? Or is this something you'd consider?" Even then, all of a sudden, it feels like a conversation. Even if they're reading it on a sales page or in an email. And definitely in a live conversation, instead of saying, I know what you're thinking, I know what you're going to ask me, say, what would be helpful for me to share about this program for you? Like ask questions because that's where conversation happens. And when conversation happens, rapport is being built.
1: I so agree with that. And I can personally think of moments where someone has taken those two different approaches with me. And I feel like a lot of us especially in entrepreneurship. So I want to speak directly to the people that are trying to uh, get into the hearts and minds of entrepreneurs. We are wired to do things uniquely. Like we are wired to come up with our own ideas and to pave our own way and to break the mold. So when someone comes at us saying, oh, like you're a cookie cutter. I can, I know what you're thinking. Let me tell you what you're thinking. Here's who you are, whatever. My immediate response is exactly what you're saying, because I don't want to be told who I am. I want to be unique. I want to be my own person. So when you can allow me to discover who I am, now you're my best friend, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like I, I joke that this is like a, a guy thing, because I specifically have seen this in my dad and my brother my whole life, where I can tell them something. that I'm like, oh, you guys got to go to this restaurant. It's so good. They have the best burger in town. I'm not going and eating that crap. Then one day, like two years later, after I've been saying it, I get a text message from one of them being like, oh, Liz, you got to go check out this pub and try their burger. It's amazing. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I've been telling you about this place, but they had this for it, right? So to me, that's how I'm interpreting what you're saying is like allowing exactly. people to come to that conclusion. And you, you're you just the trusted guide. You're not the you know the dictator pointing the finger, telling them what they need to know or who they are. So take it a, another step further. I think of this too, you mentioned like in language, it can be in sales copy, it can be conversationally. I know a lot of people struggle with the high ticket conversations, mm-hmm. like the actual face to face in the moment, have to know, you know, how to react to any potential question. Keeping it conversational in those places is really important because those Kind of conversations are the most intimate, right? It's you and that other person and you hearing their heart. So, any um, suggestions of how to maybe make some tweaks as to like, I feel like there are a lot of people out there teaching the standard way to do sales or the standard way to have a sales conversation that are missing some of the key pieces that you teach.
0: Well, so there's a couple of things in that. So I call that... So I teach a five-step process to a sales conversation. I call it The Selling Staircase. I wrote a book about it. And step three is the discovery. And that's usually those consult calls where you're actually having live back and forth conversations with people. And there's a few things that you can do that will set the call up for success. And there's some things that you can do that will derail it or cause it to be a two hour call, which is not good for your business. Right. So mm-hmm. you can, you can go whichever way. But the first thing that you want to do is you always want to pre frame at the start of the call. And a pre frame, the idea behind it is to create safety. Because if you're somebody who's selling a high ticket item, so whatever high ticket means for you, whether it's a $20,000 program or it's a $100,000 program or more, that person who is showing up on that call already has some kind of expectation of you as an expert. Now, you might feel a little bit nervous because you're like, oh, I'd like to earn this person's business. I'd like to book them this high t- you know, into this high-ticket program. So you might feel a little bit nervous, but we often forget that they already see you as an elevated expert. Otherwise, they wouldn't be getting on this call with you. So they're nervous. Whether you think they're nervous or not, they're probably nervous. They don't want you to think less of them. They want to make sure that they're doing it right. They don't know what's going to happen. And and that causes a lot of internal dialogue to happen on their part. So the first thing you have to do is put them at ease and this is why you preframe the start of your call. So a preframe could be something as simple as, you know, thank you so much for taking this time to chat with me. I'm excited to learn a little bit more about you and find out and and if it makes sense to share a little bit about the incubator program. Uh, We're scheduled to chat for about 15, 20 minutes. Does that still work for you? So right there, I'm giving that like, hey, let me create safety with you and honor your time. Check and make sure that I'm asking permission. I'm not telling you what we're gonna, like that I'm gonna take this time. I'm making sure it still works. And then I'm gonna say now, in order for this call to be meaningful and productive, is it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? Because then that sets the stage and they know, oh, this person's gonna ask me some questions. It's not, notice I'm not saying now, in order for me to decide whether or not you're a good possible person for the incubator program, I need to ask you questions because that's really aggressive. And it sounds like, well, now it's all about me, the seller, not the buyer. And it should always be for the buyer's benefit. So even that, just like it smooths the waters, it calms the waters because now they're not like in their head going, "Well, what if she talks to me for a half an hour? I have a call in half an hour. Should I tell her now? Should I wait? Should I? You know, we don't want any of that going on. We want their full attention, and we want to give them our full attention. Like we want to be really present in that conversation. So that's the the idea behind the pre frame. And then the other thing that I think is a big kind of can hurt or, or help your conversation is make sure that all questions lead to them starting to realize that you have something or you have the questions that you're asking, I always say all roads should lead to hiring you. So it's helping them start to identify that you have something or know something or have an opportunity that's going to make sense for them And a lot of times people spend a lot of time during that consultation call, instead of asking questions that lead to hiring you, ask questions that you only need the answers to once the person hires you or tries to get them to do this like big, huge future pace. Like imagine your life in 20 years. Who do you want with you? Who do you want there? What are you going to have? Imagine buying the blah, blah, blah. Like that is such an old like sales tactic that frankly <laughs> i think is such a waste of time and a lot of you know you don't always know what people's style are that you're that you're talking to and some of us don't have a really strong ability to like picture ourselves that far out so now when you're challenging us to do something that isn't a strength of ours as the buyer we start to feel less than We start to feel shamed. We start to feel embarrassed that we can't answer those questions. That does not help build the relationship. So instead, ask questions that they can answer, that questions that are going to matter. So when I think about our conversation, when you were sharing about the incubator, we weren't talking about 10 years out. We were talking about like, what's my focus right now in my business? Like, what are my struggles right now in my business? Right, And and also we talked about life too, because the incubator makes sense for life and business and what we're talking about. Um, so make sure that your questions lead the person to start to go like, ooh, there's something there. This person has something, knows something, or can can offer me some type of an experience that I don't have yet in my life mm-hmm. or in my business.
1: And I think in doing that too, when you kind of gently peel back the layers of the onion with them... And allow them to be a participant in that, they travel down the path to the road to you. Like that, you don't yes. have to kick them in the butt to get them there. They start to naturally see okay, this person is asking me the right things and guiding me. And now I see, as the buyer, that Nikki is the natural next step in my solving this problem that I'm talking to her about. Uh, it was funny thinking about that conversation with you because you had given me some of these tips that I've used over the last few years that have been so helpful. My conversion rates, which I don't even like to call them that because they really are conversations to me. You know, they they matter to me. The programs where I'm that are at a level where I'm having a personal conversation with someone, it's because I want a finger on the pulse of that person's heartbeat so that I know if they're the right person to uplift the communities we're creating. It's not. None of my stuff at that level is like, you can't uh, pay to play kind of thing. I want to know who they are and, and their heart and their personality and all of that. So it really does feel conversational, but it has helped me so much to steer the conversation. One of the big things that I was running into were conversations were running way too long. Or I was just, you know, you'd get someone on there that was just the type that would like steal the conversation and... 30 minutes, they're talking still because everybody likes to talk about themselves and whatever. And I haven't even gotten a question in yet. So things that have really helped me kind of rein it in. But when we were going to talk about the incubator, because I saw you as such a beautiful fit for it, I was like, oh crap, Nikki's going to like see me in action. Like I have to use these, her tricks on her. Like, how's this going to go? So I was so, ne- I think I actually intentionally didn't do a lot of the stuff. Cause I'm like, well, she, she's the one that told me that, like, I can't go regurgitating it back to her. I was so nervous.
0: Oh, you're so funny. I actually love, I love somebody to have a really good sales conversation with me. So I am the type of person who likes to be sold Mm -hmm. when it's done well, when it's done with me in the forefront. You know, if you want my money, I vote with my wallet, like Mm -hmm. truly. So I expect people to earn the business and not like, oh, I'm going to judge you and this and that. I want it to feel conversational. I want to feel like I give my money to people who I feel like have a legitimate uh, care about me and care about the world, you know, especially when we're talking these high dollar, you know, investments. For, for me and my business or for me and my life, it needs to be with the right kind of people. And I know that was even part of our conversation. It's like, who else are you attracting into the group? Because I'm kind of picky about who, like I'll hang around with you any day, you and Michael, any day, like just say tell me where it is. I'll be there like all day long. And I want to know like who else is in the group. And so we had a very candid conversation the other thing that I will say is, you know, it does have to feel conversational, and when the person that you want to earn their business asks you a question, you need to be able to answer the question. Don't don't skirt it. Don't like I, I remember having a conversation with somebody a while back where for me, it was going to be a pretty significant investment in my business, and I was just ready to buy. But they wanted to keep selling, so that's called selling past the close. Like they had this whole laid-out plan. Somebody had given them some kind of sales strategy that, frankly, you know, was the like twenty years from now. Who do you want there? Blah blah blah. And I was like, I just want this thing for my business. Like I don't (laughs) want to have this useless conversation with you. And so I just said, you know, can can you just explain to me the pricing and how it works? And their answer was, Well, we'll get to that later in the conversation. And I was like, well, then we're done because if you can't answer a direct question, whether it's a price question or it's like, who else is in the group or what other type of people are you attracted to the group? And not that you have to give, like, I'm not asking you to ever give proprietary information or I don't think you should coach on your discovery calls and things like that. When somebody asks you a direct question, if you act like your question isn't relevant yet, no, that's, you've lost them so hmm. being able to handle that it truly is a conversation and also keep yourself on track how do you you know in a really kind way interrupt somebody who's been talking for 30 minutes because now they've derailed the conversation how do you get that back on track so it doesn't happen all of these things are possible by being conversational and there are some things obviously some some techniques that i teach around how to kindly interrupt, or how to you know refocus the conversation, or how to bring a conversation to a close. Like there's all these things. The whole point though, is always relationship first rapport always
1: mm-hmm. I agree fully. So you brought up something that i can I can imagine that people are probably curious about, so I'm gonna go there for a second when you brought up someone asking about price. I think this is a huge struggle point for people at all levels. I mean, we're seeing it with people at the incubator level, and I see it with the earlier people in business too, where it's so hard to just come out with that price. And some people feel like they have to give, uh, oh, well, for this time only, it's on sale at this price. Or, well, it's usually this price, or like they they just can't come out and say, hey, what's the value of this program? Like, give it to me straight. So can you speak really briefly on, on pricing and, and like, what are the critical things people need to know when they're in these kind of conversations, whether it's on a sales page or even more specifically in these like high touch situations when pricing does come up because it, that's a good sign, right? Isn't that a sign that people are. Yeah. It's a buy. Okay, cool. So what happens then?
0: So, getting really comfortable saying your price. Um, My sales mentor of twenty some years used to always say, when somebody asks you your price, you say it like you're saying the time of day. So, whatever time it is where you are right now, for me, it's forty four after the hour. So, you just say that's that's what it is. Now, you can add a little bit more to it. You know the you know the investment in this program is twenty thousand dollars. If you act at all like, well, it's twenty thousand dollars, but if you do this and if you do that, now you start using like this disclaimer language, and it it implies either one, you're not confident in your pricing, or two, it's negotiable, and those are probably not either things that you want to to you know put out in front of somebody because one, if you start acting like, well, it's this price, but if you do this and if you do that other thing, and you know, and here's this other reason, and the reason it's the price that it is. Now it sounds like you're justifying all of that. You have to really stand in your place of credibility and say, the investment for the program is $20,000. We have a payment option. If it's something you're interested to hear more about, I'm happy to share about that. Don't go into a bunch of detail. Let them have their response to whatever the price is. This um, Actually, I'm going to record a podcast later this afternoon about kind of the same topic for, for the sales payment podcast is I find that a lot of times when people give the price... Then they want to start doing the like, but well, and then here's this other thing, you know, we could do this and they start giving all this extra information and because they go, well, the person was quiet. Yeah. Cause they were processing. They heard the price for the first time. Let them have their moment. You already know what the price is. You've already had time to process it. They might be thinking, okay, if it's 20000 I which credit card would I use? Or, okay, it's 20000 I can do a bank transfer. That's no big deal. Or which account do I want to pull that money out of? Let them have time to process. Be quiet. Say the price. Be quiet. Let it, let it sit. Let it land. Let them have a response. And then based on what they say, then you'll know what to say or do next. Don't try to anticipate what you should do or say next. Let them tell you.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I think we get so scared of silence or moments, or gaps in the conversation. We we automatically go to fill them, assuming that the person is coming up with their objections. And I think that assumption can lead us down a dangerous path. Uh, one of the things that you taught me that has been such a burden lifted for me is remembering that the goal is to get them to make a decision. It's not necessarily to like get a yes every time, right? So when you kind of gave me that permission to present the information, knowing me being confident in what my value is and what this program's value or whatever it is that I'm bringing to the table And just getting them to a place where they're making a final decision, yes or no, it changed the way I showed up for these calls because it wasn't this fear of like, oh my gosh, all the pressure in the world that I have to have 100% perfect conversion rate and everybody's got to be a yes, and if not, I'm automatically a failure. It was I'm showing up to this call, knowing the value that I bring to the conversation, knowing that I can help serve this person, I'm going to let them know how, I'm going to bring them. To the end of that conversation, where we are talking about the investment. My goal is to get them to a de- to make a decision, not necessarily that decision has to be yes. So with that, I think another challenge people run into, especially with these high ticket offerings, is the person's like, okay, thank you so much for the information. I'll be in touch. To me, that's like kiss of death. So you've taught me some strategies of how to then make sure that we still are getting to a decision and they don't just get to float off into space and think about it for six years. Can you talk yep. about that, yep. some some next steps for people when they get that very common response in a high-ticket conversation?
0: Yeah, so the best the best thing that you can ever do is actually pose and put the decision in front of somebody. Most people won't decide, decide yes or no until you've asked them a pretty direct question about it. And they still may not decide. So one, you want to say before they get off the call. So is this a program you would like to move forward with? Like we have to put some kind of a yes or no question. And if they go, well, you know, I'm going to think about it and I'll let you know. Okay. You don't just leave it there. You have to schedule what I call circle back calls, at least attempt to schedule a circle back call. Because if you let them just go off and think about it, your example is perfect. They're going to think about it for six years. Actually, the truth of the matter is maybe in six years, it'll come back around and they'll actually think about it again, but they won't make a decision that isn't put right in front of them. So what you say in those moments is, well, let's schedule a circle back call on our calendars now. That way you'll have some time to think about it. I can answer any additional questions that come up and we'll decide we're working together or not. Either way is okay, but let's get it on our calendars that takes the pressure off of them. So I'm saying like, Hey, you can say no to me in a nice way. I'm not actually saying those words, but it's like, we'll work together. or We're not in either ways. Okay. This now gives them the opportunity to not necessarily have to spend a bunch of time getting back to you or feeling awkward about like, Oh, now I have to tell Liz. No, it's like, no, this is on my calendar. I'm going to get back on a call with Liz on Thursday at 10 AM and I'm either going to have thought about it and decided I have some questions or I've thought about it and I'm going to move forward. Or if, if it's going to be, no, I've probably thought about it. And I've probably sent Liz an email before to say, hey, Liz, I thought about it. This is not the right time for me. So I'm going to decline having that meeting with you. Any of those are okay because now they actually made some type of a decision. If you don't put the decision in front of them, they won't make it.
1: Yeah. I think about how many things have you, you know, saved on Instagram to go back and look at later or, you know, emails of sales going on where you've put the shoes in the cart and said, okay, I'll, I'll think about that. It's just like, it almost never happens unless there's some either sense of urgency or just someone guiding you to the finish line and saying, Hey, it's okay if the decision, whichever way the decision goes, but I want to be able to kind of close this loop with you and oftentimes yeah. it helps to have some kind of urgency behind it too not a pushy urgency of like you must decide today or else you know all spots will be taken you know a lot of people play that game but there can be different ways that you present either opportunities to help them get to that finish line a little bit easier because they're incentivized yeah i
0: like Yeah. I like having a little bit of a sense of urgency because otherwise all you're doing is adding to people's to-do list. And when you add anything to anybody's to-do list, the chance of you ever making it to the top in the top three of the things they actually do, it's probably slim to none. It's going to get pushed below the fold. They're going to forget that they're that decision was on their to-do list and they just won't ever come back around to it because they have too many things bombarding them with like, you got to decide what's for dinner and you got to decide when are you going to leave to pick up the kids? And I got to get the kids to you know swim practice or whatever it is. All of these things are bombarding because those are immediate decisions that have to be made. If you are not one of those immediate decisions, you're probably, the answer will be no. And not only like, is that not good for your business? But really more importantly, back to what you talked about here is that most of us are doing what we do because we want to make a bigger impact in the world. And the only way the impact is going to happen for this person and this thing that they've shown interest in is for them to participate, right? Like I could say, oh, the incubator is a cool program. Maybe I'll sign up for it next year. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you what I would have missed out on. If I hadn't said yes to it this year and all that it's brought to my business into my life. And I don't even think about it as like, oh, I'm paying Liz this money. I look at it like I invested this in myself and look what I'm getting back. So you don't want people to miss out on those opportunities of what it's going to mean for them in their life. So your job is to make it really easy for them to make a decision.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an important piece. I just, I'm thinking about the conversation we had and you can feel free to pick my, pick me apart a little bit here if it's for the benefit of our listeners. And I don't even honestly remember all the details fully, but I do remember we had an initial conversation about the incubator specifically, and it wasn't a yes or no on that call, which is, I think, Mm -hmm. at least I encountered that that's more common than not. Every single person that gets on my calendar for a discovery call, I look at them as two calls. Most likely, they're going to be two calls, or they're going to be, you know, someone who came to me really hungry for it. And it might be one, or one because they do what you said, which is email you after the fact and say, I've decided not to move forward. So I want to respect your time and cancel that call. So, what was it just trying to capture this like relational kind of tough to describe thing that we're talking about sometimes that ultimately led you to after having a call and being unsure on that call? to come to a yes. Do you remember or not really? Because yeah. it was like well, a there year was, ago.
0: Yeah. There was a lot of things that were happening. So it was a pretty tumultuous time in my life, frankly. And there was a little bit of hesitation of like, can I really commit to this program? And you know, because I've got all this stuff going on in my life and what will that mean? So there was a little bit of that. And then here's what I will say is you did a really beautiful job of asking me good questions. And then using my answers when you were describing the program. So using, this is something that I teach, right? Using key phrases, you really spoke to my challenges and how my challenges might be addressed in the program and how I could contribute. Cause that's really important to me. Like, I don't want to be in a program where I don't contribute anything. I'm just taking, there's a real give and take that happens in the incubator program. And that was really in alignment with me. So all those things worked. And then I was really curious about, you know, the type, the other types of people. So I wasn't asking specifically like who's in the program, but it was like, what other types of people are in the program? And you said, it was like in a really kind, beautiful way, you're like, take the time that you need and, you know, pray about the sneaky or whatever it is that you really need to do so that you're able to come to this fully and, you know, and participate. And so that's what I did. I prayed about it and I prayed for some like, like some answers about this. And there was somebody in particular in the group that you had mentioned the type of business. And right after that, somebody made an introduction to this person. And I was like, that has to be the person that's in Liz's program because of the things that you had described us. like, this has to be. And so I really just felt like those were the answers that Mm. I was getting answers to my questions. And my questions were being answered that there was a reason why I was going to be a part of this particular group and not wait a year until my life, you know, settled down. And that was really all I needed was that little bit. But that wouldn't have happened had you said like, well, if you're not willing to decide now, Nikki, then you're out. Then I would have just been out. Right, But you were willing to give me that time. And I think I actually did schedule our circle, or I think I canceled our circle back call because I just said to you, I'm in, send me the link and I'll make the first payment. I'm totally committed. And I just figured that everything would fall into place and I would be able to show up. And so far, like it has. Mm -hmm. I even almost missed the first, like the first meeting, but your team was like, nope, we're getting you here, Nikki. (laughs)
1: We couldn't picture the event with without you uh, there with us, we have two in-person events with this particular program. And poor Nikki was like put through the ringer trying to travel out. And she texts me and she's like, yeah, I've been in line for like two hours. My flights got canceled. And of course she's on the West coast. We're trying to get her all the way down to Florida on the East coast, South. And it's just like a nightmare. And so I'm like with my team, I'm like, I don't care, get Nikki here. We got to have Nikki here. (laughs) And I'm so glad that we did because you brought the selling staircase to these incubator members. And I think they've been blown away ever since because the thing is, is that you always think, you know, selling once you get to a certain level of business, cause you've clearly sold. Like you've, you're like, I know how to sell. That's not my issue. I'm trying to improve this, or I don't know tech, or I need to hire a better team. But selling is the thing that we're always going to have to do successfully to keep growing and see the business thrive. And the way that you approach it is so powerful. Um, and I think to going back to that that conversation selling from a place of scarcity and lack and, um, fear people smell it like a dead fish. Like it's, you you can't hide it. And I will be totally honest. Every single, it doesn't matter how much evidence I have Nikki of successes in the past. Every single time I launch something new, my brain goes to, you're not going to be able to do this. Like good luck trying to fill this, do this, sell this, whatever. Every time. I don't care if I've you know, hit my record year, or my record program before that, my brain comes back to that broken place that it's always come back to. But now I feel like I have the tools in my tool belt to say, okay, before every conversation I have with someone or before sitting down and writing that email that's going out or the sales copy for a page or whatever, I have to clear that away. And I have mm-hmm. to come back to why I'm doing what I do and my mission. And that I'm never going to hang the the success of my mission, never going to hang that hat on one person's yes or no. Because when you do that, you put a pressure on somebody that they can feel that it's no longer about you being in service of them. It's what can I get out of you from a financial perspective. And, and it strips you of your joy in your process. And it strips them of the opportunity to actually be served. So I have to come into every conversation I had around the incubator, every conversation I have going into you know, different partnerships or whatever it is I'm doing and work on that little broken piece of me that tells me I can't do it and be like, it is not in service to the people I'm promising to show up for if I put a pressure on them and I'm selling to them from a place of fear of like, I have to sell this spot or I have to fill this because of what it means for me. So giving you that space and trusting and knowing if Nikki prays about this and it's not the right thing right now, great. She's chosen to not come into something she's not in a space for. And that's a, that's a blessing to me as the person running a program. Cause we all know how hard it is when people come in and they're not really in it. And, you know, so don't be afraid of giving people space. Don't be afraid of giving them the reins to truly be the one to make the decision. It's not about using language or conversation to manipulate anybody and tricking them into doing something. It's it's okay. It's okay to like give them the room to come to their own conclusion and allow them to feel supported because the success of what you are doing cannot be dependent on one person's decision. You've got to get that out of your head. You've got to stop selling from a place of lack and scarcity. It will tank you and it will suck the joy out of everything you're doing anyway.
0: I love everything you said. I agree a hundred percent. And this idea of, I think most people are like, oh, I got to close on that one call, which I like, there's, there are definitely opportunities to close on that first call. It can happen. And when you're willing to have that ability to schedule the circle back call, it takes the pressure off that person to decide right there in that moment. And I think it also shows a level of credibility and authority. Like I'm so confident what I sell and what I do that I'm going to give you the time that you need to make decisions. And I'm going to schedule a circle back call with you so that we can decide we're moving together. We're moving we're moving towards working together. We are, we aren't. I don't know why I can't say that all of a sudden, but either way, (laughs) I'm okay with it. That then I think also lends to my credibility because people are like, she's not desperate. Like Nikki's not chasing me. I don't actually believe in chasing clients at all. I think when you chase people, it's like chasing a toddler. If you say to a toddler, like I'm going to chase you, they go off, they start running. They don't even know why they're running. And I think when you (laughs) act like you're going to chase clients, they're going to start running. They don't even necessarily know why they're running. They're just like, I don't want to be chased or I got to move because this person's chasing me. So you don't need to chase clients. What you need to do is make it really easy for them to make decisions and put opportunities in front of them and not be afraid to have those conversations. Be willing to stretch yourself. Be willing to say what the investment is for the program and do it all with like these tiny, I really do teach the tiniest little tweaks that make the biggest difference to people's success rate. And people will come back to you and be like, I love buying from you. I love having sales conversations with you. It always feels really good when you put an opportunity in front of me. That's how it should be. And if people aren't saying that to you, if they're like, oh, I felt a lot of pressure to make this decision. So I just said, yes, you're not creating ambassadors out in the marketplace. Like I will always be one of your biggest ambassadors. And I will shout from the rooftops to anybody who will listen, You know, anything Elizabeth Harkey does, go be a part of it because it's amazing. Because I believe in the work that you do and I know the power of the work you do. And I also know that you really truly care about the people in your program. Every part of your process from the initial sales conversation to what it means to actually be a client of yours, you show up that way. And so I think regardless of whether it's a $20,000 program or a $100,000 program, that should be the experience that people are getting. And if they're not getting it, then you're you're diminishing your chances of getting repeat and referral business, which is the wow. best business to
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm always so humbled when you say stuff like that, Nikki, I feel the same way about you. And I'm just... I'm just so grateful to have learned so so much from you. And I think one of the key things that I've learned from you too is exactly what you just said. Yes, it's about getting them to make a decision in the sales process, but how you deliver after the sale is the most important piece, right? Like, Are you living in integrity with what you just sold them on that call? Because it's easy to come up and share all the value and and tell set the expectations and paint this beautiful picture of what this experience is going to be like but if you're like okay good the hard work is done now i just need to coast and get bare minimum because i made my money off those people going right back to that transaction mindset and you're never going to have those ambassadors in the market you're not going to have the people that sing your praises praises or will follow you off you know the edge of a cliff because they believe in you so so wholeheartedly and that's something that you know that's why i I have brought in sales teams in the past, and I think it's a viable solution for certain people in certain programs. But I also uh, feel so connected to the people that are coming into certain higher ticket or ha- you know higher touch programs, and I want the community. I feel like sometimes intuition you can't it can't be outsourced, and I want to really feel that. But I also want the people on the call to feel that from me you know and and that can't be planned or manipulated that's just who i am and some people are going to like it and some aren't and that's going to help facilitate the right people in your communities and groups or whatever it is that you're bringing them into so it's something to consider i think that's a decision people have to make personally like do i do i bring in a sales team but if you do you better make sure that they're in alignment with your values and and the long-term vision of what they're selling not just that sales conversation but what comes after it is to me most important
0: Yep. I totally agree. And I love talking to people about, you know, the, the idea of how to sell your team. Actually, I've talked a lot about this in the incubator program with a lot of the people in the group because they are, you know, having a team now that delivers. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: there are some strategies around that too. Making sure though, that you want your team, it should feel like the same experience, right? So whether I'm working with you or whether I'm working with Emily or Amy on your team, right like they're still that same like the care and all of that stuff still shows up in a really authentic way mm-hmm. absolutely
1: well i want I want everybody to be able to come find you, learn from you, and my strong suggestion is you know to do that because Nikki puts out regular insanely valuable content and has different ways that you can connect with her and work with her and I know she has some stuff in the works right now that I'm like wanting to shout from the rooftops, rooftops already, but I'll I'll refrain. But let me just say that if you're an entrepreneur and you really want to take your business to the next level, you should at least like get yourself on on Nikki's email list so that you're the first to know for some limited spot opportunities that you're going to want to get your hands on. But tell us where people can find you, how they can learn from you, work with you, connect with you.
0: Well, the easiest way is I'm going to wrap this around a gift for your audience. So I have an ebook called Closing the Sale. And I actually talk through some of the things to do in that discovery process. So if you would like that, you can get it by going to Your Sales Maven. And maven is maven.com forward slash luminary. So this is for your listeners. And you can also come listen to the Sales Maven podcast. So that's another way. But yeah, let's connect. And I would love to support an entrepreneur that really is ready to take their business to the next level, regardless of whether you have a you know, multi-six or seven-figure business, there's always some piece that I find I can bring in to their sales process and into their sales conversations that's going to make it be that glide that you talked mm-hmm. about.
1: Yeah. It feels so good. Once you start implementing, I can't get over it. It's like, Become um, second nature, thanks to you. And it just—it feels so good. And it feels like I can—I can just be me in my zone of genius. And this is just a, like a byproduct of that. When I'm implementing these things, it's not like this separate world over here of sales that I have to then figure out and master. It's all just woven in, and it—it it glides. It just feels right. And I'm so grateful for you and how you've supported me and all the work we're doing. And I love having you in the incubator as do all the other, other members as you know, I think they've made abundantly clear. So thank you for being with us and just shining your light and wisdom in the group.
0: Thank you for having me. And thank you for creating the incubator program. It's been incredible. One of the best, by far best investments I've ever made in my business and the people in there. Oh my gosh. It's like, I feel like I'm sitting at a table with people that I would have never, ever got to sit at a table with. And I feel so honored to be there with them.
1: Mm. Amen. Me too. Me too. Thanks, Nikki. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at elizhartke.com. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.